We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. I'm back on the show, Will Jackson. Fellas, how we doing? I'm all right. How are you guys doing? Yeah, senior citizen alert. Uh, I'm the <laughs> old guy, so uh, make sure you guys slow down for me so I can keep up. We almost have a 10-year differential between Jack and Will, but before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But this podcast is also brought to you by betonline.ag and blue chew but jack i'm gonna pass it to you all right youngins let's get to some next next topic so the first one i mean there's plenty of coaching news there's plenty of KD news we're going to kick off with kevin durant and there were two major things that were updated around his news there was iron eagle speaking to mike francesa and there was sean mark speaking to a new zealand newspaper and iron eagle his sort of news was that he thinks that you know he's going to be back he looked like the old kd and he thinks that he can be very special this upcoming season if we do have an upcoming season. What First dissecting the thoughts of one of the commentating goats, Iron Eagle, uh, what were your thoughts uh, coming from uh, the man himself, the bird? Well, first off, not one of, he is the commentating goat. Um, we- <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, uh, so he, he basically said that, you know, he's been watching KD progress throughout the season and he thinks that KD will be ready, ready to return if, you know, we have a, 
a potential resume to the season. And I, I don't think that the Nets thinking on this has changed. It's always been up to KD and it will always be up to KD if he's ready to come back. They're not going to rush him back. They're not going to say, all right, you know, you've had a year off now from when you got hurt. Now it's time to get going. They're always going to say, like, if you want to wait till December or so, whenever the season resumes, that's fine. If you want to play first round against the Raptors, if we make it to the second round, you want to play then, that's fine. I, I just... I think that it's always been up to KD, and it also, I think, be up to if Kyrie's healthy, too, because uh, I don't think that's talked about enough, because obviously we know he got surgery a couple months ago. Is he fully healthy? Because I think KD's not going to come back unless Kyrie's on the floor, too. So I think if both of them are healthy, it's going to be 100% up to KD. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything Will said. I think, you know, Kyrie coming back is huge for KD because I think if they're both out there, those guys feel confident in their ability that they're healthy and they can win a playoff series or have some type of success in the playoffs and also the sample size it would give Sean Marks. But I think Ian Eagle coming out and saying this has kind of echoed what he's been saying over the last couple of months. He's been hinting at it, saying KD looks really good, the possible return. But again, like Will has mentioned, I think a lot of it, and it's kind of been this way since the start of the season, not ruling him out, it's been kind of what Kevin Durant wants to do. When he feels okay, the Nets will feel okay. And I don't think there's any type of rush or any type of timetable on it because they want him to feel 100% confident and they want it to be his decision. Yeah, let's get to the Kiwi horse's mouth, Sean Marks. <laughs> and and um, for those that don't know, Kiwi is actually means New Zealander. Uh, but I'm going to go through the entire, basically the chunk of quote that we're, we're all looking for. Uh, he was asked by News Hub in New Zealand, that's a hundred. That's the $110 million question. In all seriousness, we've tried not to talk about his timeline a lot. He knows his body better than anybody. Our performance team and training staff have done a tremendous job getting him to this point, but I just don't know how coming out of this pandemic will affect anybody, let alone Kevin. Uh, I can tell you this, though. Before the pandemic, he looked like Kevin Durant, and that's a good thing. Uh, that's the one that sticks out to me, lads. Yeah, I mean, we did see a, uh, a picture post on Bleacher Report today. I don't know if you guys saw it of him working out in an old Bulls jersey, but... um. That's really encouraging to hear as Nets fans that he does look like Kevin Durant because obviously the whole question has been ever since he signed that deal on June 30th has been, you know, how much of Kevin Durant are we going to get when he comes back? You know, is it going to be 50 percent? Is it going to be 80 percent? And hearing Sean Marks say, you know, he looks like Kevin Durant and hearing Ian Eagle say, you know, he looks really good. I mean, these are really comforting signs to know that, you know, he there's a real possibility that he could be playing if the season potentially resumes at a neutral site and we play the Raptors. Yeah, I think especially coming from Sean Marks, who is typically conservative and doesn't really leak a lot of information unless he kind of wants you to know. I feel like you have to feel pretty positive as a Nets fan. And obviously this kind of echoes what we mentioned before, that it's kind of up to Kevin and his decision. But the fact that he came out and said he looked like Kevin Durant, that's a good thing. I didn't think that was something that he necessarily had to say. It wasn't even part really of probably the question or what they were referring to. So it just gives you a little extra optimism. Yeah, I think that for me, like you said, Nick, you know, Sean Marks is normally quite tight-lipped. And the fact that he added that little bit of a tidbit in, I think that you know, Iron Eagle, you know, all these people that are, are close to the Brooklyn Nets organization are hyping it up a little bit as if like, yeah. you know, to sort of be like, all right, you know, Katie could be coming back guys. Let's, uh, let's fill up those seats. If there is, you know, a time and a place where it's safe to do so. So I think that, 
you know, my optimism, I mean, I feel like every single episode, you know, it changes. You know, I'm certainly more <laughs> optimistic now hearing it from Iron Eagle and Sean Mark. You know, if it's, you know, Joe Blow on Nets Twitter, probably not. But uh, two really respected names providing some uh, very encouraging news on one of the best superstars in the history of the game. Uh, you better believe that I'm getting more excited. Yeah. It, and um, no, no, jump in there, Will. Yeah. And the other thing that Iron Eagle said is that, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have a special chemistry and I think that's a lot that's something that a lot of people have been worried about like Kevin Durant jumping back in you know he's never played a game with this team before how how are they going to work out well I think it also helps that he has two of his best friends on the team and I, I, I do think that that will definitely help him ease in a little bit more and I think Katie's just like a basketball fanatic he's been studying the team to the highest extent from the bench or even when he's not playing just watching from the sidelines and seeing what's going on Big time, big time. But uh, let's get to some coaching news, lads. And I mean, there's a couple of little tidbits uh, creeping around, but we'll kick off with the one that's the most recent one as I went to sleep. Uh, Tom Thibodeau apparently <laughs> oh, <God>. has <laughs> Tom Thibodeau apparently has interest in the Knicks, Rockets, and the Brooklyn Nets uh, head coaching positions. And I'm picking out the piece from the New York Post article that relates to our Brooklyn Nets. According to sources, Nets stars Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving each like and respect Thibodeau, who coached them as a Team USA assistant. And this is what one source said. Kevin's a basketball junkie. He loves him. Great players want to be coached, except the lazy ones. If they think the coach has a higher basketball IQ than them, they're all in. Uh, really? Really? <laughs> so <laughs> one thing that I will say is that it's very important have a coach that our superstars like and if it's true that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are comfortable with Tom Thibodeau maybe I'd be more open to it but I'm also not so keen on the idea because can imagine if Tom Thibodeau is our coach and then we have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving out there playing 40-45 minutes a game that is definitely not something that I would be looking forward to like he has a decent coaching record um I, I was looking at it earlier he's been around the league a little bit but um I'm, I'm not I'm not so sold on this idea even if they are you know, pretty comfortable with him. I think it just doesn't make sense from like an organizational perspective in the way that the Nets value analytics and the performance team and things like that. And we know how mm -hmm. Thibodeau has kind of overused players in the past and has kind of played guys excessive amount of minutes. Obviously, like Will mentioned, the respect portion is huge, but I just not sure if I love the basketball fit. I think he would obviously have to change his mentality a little bit in terms of how he coaches. Obviously he's been away from the game for a little bit last day in Minnesota, but it's an intriguing idea, but not one I'm in favor of. No, intriguing is one word for it. Um, <laughs> in that sense, you know, putting a, a couple of little dots together and stuff, you know, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, both, you know, somewhat of close of friends. You know, I'm, they do talk. You know, I think Kyrie Irving was reported to say to Jimmy not to come to, to the Cleveland Cavaliers in, in the offseason because, you know, he would be making his way out. You know, I think that you know Jimmy would probably speak quite highly of Tom Thibodeau. He is the reason why he is a superstar in today's NBA, or you know, a near superstar in today's NBA. So, I think you know for that reason, you know, we've heard what Kevin Durant said uh, via the New York Post article. I think Kyrie Irving would be enthused to hear that his his friend is is a fan of that coach as well. So, um, I'm. Uh, not necessarily totally optimistic. Um, you know, in fact, I'm, I'm the furthest thing going. I don't want it to happen. But at the end of the day, if it's like what Will said, if it's what uh, KD and Kyrie want, then maybe we've all just got to fall in line now as fans. But I, I think that the, you know, this is just, we heard from Mark Stein just uh, a week ago when we reported on, on the buzz that, you know, the, it's the Knicks that are solely, fo so, solely focused 
on landing Thibodeau, and I think it's because he's a Leon Rose client, or if not, has associations with Leon Rose. So if it's being reported by, you know, Mark Stein, Shams, and Woj, uh, maybe some sources that are a little bit closer to the Nets, you know, obviously Brian Lewis isn't, is unfortunately no longer with the post. Um, so for me, uh, grain of salt with this news, lads, grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and uh, hopefully it's fake news. <laughs> Let him go to the Knicks and play Julius Randle 45 minutes a night. I'm fine with that. Yeah, why not? Ruin the development of uh, RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. I'm cool with that. Uh, but lads on, that. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, not wrong. Uh, with uh, the, On the coaching news front, uh, Forbes posted an article, a bit of an opinion piece. This isn't news, but I wanted to bring it to you that Mike D'Antoni might be the best candidate to take over as coach of the Brooklyn Nets. I like the little might in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I mean, I prefer Mike D'Antoni to uh, Tom Thibodeau. But, I, I, again, it's it comes down to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Do they want Mike D'Antoni? Is he the best fit for this team? You know, we've seen that he he didn't win with Houston. He had a chance to go to the finals twice against that Warriors team. Couldn't take advantage of it, even with a couple injuries to the Warriors. But um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of D'Antoni. I think that he doesn't have a defensive mindset at all. But if he, again, if he's the guy that our superstars like, I am okay with Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, I think D'Antoni is you could do a lot worse than Mike D'Antoni. I don't think he's my ideal choice, but I wouldn't be upset if he was the Nets head next Nets head coach because if he's had success, he's dealt with multiple superstars on the same team. Like Will's mentioned, the defense I think is some of the concern and the lack of postseason success. And then it also probably mentioned the lack of adjustments we've seen him make in postseason series, which makes it a little bit scary. Yeah, I think the I remember being quite, as the start of this sort of surge, you know, around probably the start of March when the, the firing sort of happened, you know, I was on the, the Mike D'Antoni bandwagon, still on it, not necessarily leading it, uh, but, I'm, but I'm in there because I, I think that the way he empowers, you know, the superstars, I think is something that I, I would want to see, you know, you know, let Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant do their thing. You know, they're the two, two of the best players in the NBA, let them take over and I, I do understand the concerns about the defense, but, you know, the assistant coaching there, that's what the assistant coaching for is to install the defensive schemes. And, you know, the Nets have been decent enough on defense this season, funnily enough. And, you know, if they were to bring in, Mike D'Antoni was to bring in his own team, maybe he he re, uh, brings in some other guys uh, from, from days past. You know, they're not having to play under uh, an owner like Tillman Fertitta. So I'm someone who's about it. But I'll, I'll bring it to you guys before we do move on from coaching news. Do the comments on D'Antoni where he was saying about uh, Kenny Atkinson's firing, and I quote, the only thing he's done there in the last two years for sure is overachieve. I don't know what else he could have done. Does that prevent his chances? Does it make it less likely? Or is it just, you know, a guy standing up for a friend? I'm not sure. I think I I know for a fact that Mike D'Antoni and Kenny Atkinson have a good relationship. I'm pretty sure that Kenny was the assistant coach back when D'Antoni was coaching the Knicks. But, um, yeah, I, I... it could just be a friend sticking up for another friend, like you said, Jack, but it also could be like the Nets look at that and say, all right, well, we decided to move on from Kenny, and you you are saying that um, – I'm sorry, I just got a phone call. I had to decline that. And you're saying that you know he shouldn't have been fired and that he did a really good job here. We don't, we don't want that lingering around because especially if our superstars didn't like Kenny. So I, I don't know if it would decrease his chances, but it doesn't help his cause in any way. I feel like it makes it less likely. Like, just because you have that little relationship there, and obviously D'Antoni's getting up there in age, he's probably a little bit stubborn, and he probably wants what he wants, and I feel like I'm not sure if it's going to be an ideal fit, and then obviously the whole Kenny thing like Will, and you brought up Jack. I just think 
it would have some type of lingering effect. Yeah, I think there are, are rungs of coaching ranks in terms of what I would want. You know, obviously, right at the top of that list is the best coach of all time, if not the second best coach of all time, and Greg Popovich, Team USA connections, in better connections, championship winning coach. You know, I think Dan Tony, Lou, Phil Handy, those sort of guys are in a rung of their own. And then there's, you know, the rest, the guys that I just don't want. You know, the Mark Jacksons of the world, the Tom Thibodeaus, Jason Kidd. Uh, yeah, I think some people are warming to Jason Kidd. I mean, I don't know 100%. Uh, I think it's. You know, probably we're going to be talking about it on plenty of buzzes. Maybe Forbes Sports does an article on Jason Kidd, and we'll probably have to talk about it uh, in the future. But in that sense, guys, sticking with it a little bit, we chat about Kevin Durant. We're chatting about coaching news. I was listening to No Dunks, and one of the the hosts made a, uh, an interesting sort of opinion. He said, "Could Kevin Durant prevent Ty Lue from becoming head coach of the Brooklyn Nets due to his LeBron James connection?" And he reasoned this because. Kevin Durant, a lot of the time, has tried to distance himself from LeBron James and establish his own narrative. You know, he wants to be the best guy. He wanted to take him down, all those sort of things. Do you think there could be anything to that? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think when Kenny was first fired, the first um, the first coaching candidate that most people talked about was Tyron Lue. And a lot of that was because of his correct connection to Kyrie Irving. Um, I think there was also a report that came out that said Kyrie wants Tyron Lue. I'm not sure how accurate that was, but I, I remember reading that somewhere. And I think that if Ty Lue is someone that you know Kyrie wants and that he can convince Kevin Durant to take, I, I don't think Kevin Durant will be that that upset about it. I mean, you have to look at Lou's record. You know, he's a championship-winning coach. He's an assistant coach on the Clippers right now. The Clippers are one of the best teams in the NBA right now. Yes, they have two superstars, but still, they're a pretty well-coached team. I think you have to look at Tyron Lou and say, all right, you know, even if he won a championship with LeBron James, you know, he he's the best option potentially right now. We have to take that. Yeah, I don't think it would matter too much. I mean, I can understand the argument for it, but I just feel like, it's not like we directly correlate Tyloo with LeBron James. It's not like he won multiple championships and Tyloo was the reason the Cavs had success or anything like that. I mean, he played a part in it, but I don't think it was like Tyloo's team and, you know, he made LeBron better than what he was or something like that. So I could see it having a small impact. Yeah, I think it's probably minimal at best, but I think it is worth exploring. And, you know, if Tyloo ends up not being the Brooklyn Nets head coach, maybe that ends up being a reason because, you know, I think that, Coaching-wise, Kevin Durant needs less coaching than Kyrie Irving, if that makes sense. Um, obviously, I think it's just the better players need less guidance. And I think Kyrie Irving needs a, a Phil Jackson, Zen master sort of kindred spirit uh, in, in some ways. Um, but... With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From the online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They got the same active ingredients that Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them any time of day, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. 
Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. I'm surprised. Well, I wasn't allowed to lead the episode with this. I wasn't allowed to spend 48 minutes on it. But uh, we are finally getting to Joe Harris News. And in an interview (laughs) uh, with his alma mater in-house publication, Joe said that the ankle that he injured uh, in the game that we did watch together, uh, he said that he would have been out for a month or so anyway. So no matter what, when the NBA shut down and I went down literally the next day, I wasn't even with the team. I flew back to New York with one of our trainers and we were supposed to play at Golden State on March 12th. The rest of the team was in San Francisco and they just had to pack up their stuff and leave from there. The only loophole that I have right now is that the NBA allowed guys that were in the midst of rehab to go into the facility and work with the trainer. So we're able to do that for the last few weeks. But when I go in, I have to wear a mask and gloves the entire time. And only you and the trainer are allowed to be in there. I just do rehab and I just do it with one trainer. It's just the two of us in the entire facility. A little strange because when you go in there, it's usually hustling and bustling with a lot going on. And now there's just two of you in there. So obviously we can address both sort of things uh, that Joe was sort of revealing. Mm -hmm. Firstly, the injury, lads. Uh, not a surprise, I assume. Yo, no, I, I mentioned this, and I, I sorry to cut you off, Will, but I just want to give myself credit because I brought this up, I think. <laughs> All right. I did, I did. I'll show you the receipts. I said that not only would the Nets benefit from KD and Kyrie Posse returning, but I knew for a fact that Joe Harris was going to be out minimum like a week. Like that, we watched it. That shit looked bad. Like it looked like mm-hmm. he could have possibly broke his ankle on that play. So the fact that this came out, I am not surprised at all. Yeah, I mean, I think the Nets are, or at least Joe Harris is lucky in a sense that the season paused at that point because he didn't end up missing any time. Joe Harris is, you know, a huge part of this team. I think he was a huge part to Karis LeVert going off. I mean, he was struggling a little bit this season from three, but I mean, he's he's still Joe Harris. He's still shooting over 40%, not that much of an issue. But um, I think the, um, the bigger thing to take from that quote is saying that he was rehabbing with the trainer as time yeah. went on and that makes you think Kyrie Irving with the shoulder yep. injury, Kevin Durant with the Achilles injury, possibly Garrett Temple too. I got to mention him too, but possibly they were rehabbing as we've been in lockdown. Um, there's no way to prove it, but we know Kevin Durant has been in New York city as we saw from the 2k tournament. We know Kyrie Irving has been at his home and it's possible that, you know, they've been spending this time rehabbing and that could make it more likely that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are both ready if the season were to resume in June or uh, July. Joe Harris leaking secret news, Jack. Hey, that's what I like. To hear. He's providing us news for the buzz. What a what a person that is, my love. Uh, but I think in that sort of sense, like sort of Will was saying, there's probably like some sort of schedule. Like, you know, you've got like you check in the Google calendar or whatever. You know, Monday, Joe Harris goes into the facility. Tuesday, Kyrie goes in. Wednesday, you know, uh, Kevin Durant goes in. And Thursday, maybe Garrett Temple jumps in there as well. Obviously, I think Joe would be healthy by now. It's been two months or so since uh, that ankle roll, ankle sprain, whatever you want to call it, the ligament sort of stretch there. But uh, he... We're going to dissect every single quote, and I don't care. I'm hosting, so we're going through every single quote. Like, <laughs> uh, he said, uh, I go into our practice facility every day for rehab. It used to take me 20, 30, 40 minutes. Uh, now it's like 10 minutes. The Nets have been really good about everything, especially early on. They brought equipment to our apartment, so we all have free weights and bikes. And even now they bring out meals for us, so we're pretty fortunate that wow. way. What an yeah, organization. I mean, I mean, that's kind of the thing that this team has, or at least the Sean Marks regime has always been known for is, 
taking care of the players, making it player first, making it player friendly. You know, that's something that, you know, Jared Dudley at Davis, you know, the vets from last season and this season have talked about how this team is really good at taking care of the players and nothing's changed um, just because we're on lockdown. I think that's really important to look at, especially with a guy like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you know, if they're, you know, not able to work out every day, even though Joe Harris did say he was in there working out every day, they're still getting that rehab from the team. They're still working with our trainers and nutritionists and, you know, health experts, you know, to make sure that they're at 100%. I think that's really, really good job by this team and are really, really just lucky that we're able to do that during this time. I think it's just kind of the Nets continuing to be a top-notch organization, even if it's not directly on the court. All the off-the-court stuff that Sean Marks and the team can take handle, take care of, they take care of it and doing the best of their ability to make sure these guys are ready when and if the NBA returns. Yeah, I mean, we there's so many other organizations and players that are like, you know, I don't have anything. I'm, you know, I'm I'm in this condo, I'm in this apartment. You know, I can't really do workouts. I'm, you know, Sergio Barker's doing bloody suicides in his his damn apartment. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, Sergio, you're more than welcome to head to the Brooklyn Nets in the offseason. Now, that's not a yes, slide on you please. in any in any sense of the imagination. But a couple more quotes, lads. I know we're spending probably more time on Joe Harrison or Kevin Durant uh, as the coach in the coaching news, but. Joe Harris has been studying, lads. My boy's getting smart. Uh, and he's taking a online course called The Science of Wellbeing. It's a series of challenges designed to increase your own happiness and build more productive habits. He says, I've really enjoyed it. Who wouldn't enjoy being happy and productive with Joe Harris? Please. I mean, good for him, I guess. I don't, I don't know what Come else on, to say. Come on, give me more, Will. Give me more. Give me more. Uh, yeah, Joe Harris is about to become the greatest philosopher in NBA history just next to Kyrie Irving. That's there you go, Jack. That's better. That's better. <laughs> Nick, anything? Anything before we get to? Uh, I mean, I think it's positive in terms of just him maintaining his happiness. I know quarantine can make you a t- feel a certain type of way. So shout out to Joe for improving himself. Happy Joe is a good Joe. Uh, and in that sense, uh, the last sort of thing he talked about, his free agency, uh, he said he hasn't really thought about it a ton. It's one of those things that will cross the bridge when he gets to it. Uh, he's focusing on his health and well-being and more worried about that versus anything basketball-related. Nothing really to talk about there, but uh, I wanted to make sure I touch on every single little Joe Harris tidbit. So any other Joe Harris thoughts from uh, my fellow co-host before we get to uh, a bit of some old-school Nets news? Yeah, I feel like just, that's just the – oh, go ahead, Will. Yeah, just one more thing on free agency. It also helps, like, not focus on it when you don't know when free agency is going to be. So, you know, just good on him for not focusing on it, not knowing when it's going to be, and just focusing on getting healthy and being the best player you can be. Yeah, I think it's definitely, like, a perfect PR response. I would say it's probably impossible for you to be locked in your house for almost two months at this point and not think about free agency. So shout-out to Joe for just being, you know, that perfect player for your team. Yeah, he's Hopefully productive. He's back. And he's productive and he's happy. That's all that matters. Uh, we don't care about the basketball. I mean, I kind of care about the basketball, but I care about his happiness <laughs> as well. Uh, and lads, this was you know a couple of weeks ago. I thought we'd touch on it. Paul Pierce went on the Up and Smoke podcast oh, and said that KG and Jay Kidd, possible new re- reformed Nets head coach Jay Kidd, uh, got into a little bit of a fisticuffs. And the quote is. Jay Kidd come in there. Oh, he yelling. He yelling at us. And I know KG kind of got in Jay Kidd's face. I thought he was about to whoop Jay Kidd straight up. I was like, went up in his face. I ain't no whoop whoop. He had his towel on. He had his towel on. Like about to get in the shower in front of everybody. And then I just walked off to the shower. I swear. From that point on, it turned our season around. KJ, KG cares so much. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I'm not the biggest Paul Pierce fan. Even <laughs> I'm sure that story's true, and I mean it's interesting. And that season would definitely make an interesting Last Dance documentary itself. But um, I, I, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, the, the season was a mess. The team was a mess. It, it was never going to work from the start with you know the personalities on that team and you know a rookie Jason Kidd as a head coach who just retired a, a few weeks ago before he got the job. I mean. That, that just wasn't going to work from the standpoint. I mean, good on KG for getting in Jason Kidd's face, maybe uh, diminishing his ego a little bit. But uh, no, I just, I, it's just another reason I don't want Jason Kidd as our head coach. I can say I'm not surprised at all. I, I probably would guess there was more occasions during the season that guys almost fought just because they just felt like this team didn't really like each other. They were able to end up winning some games, getting to the second round of the postseason. But like Will mentioned, J. Kidd was just over. So it was over his head at this point because I think they elected him to be the head coach before they made the, uh, the trade for KG and Pierce. So ideally he would have been taking over a team that had less personality and less ego and less stardom to deal with and would have made more sense for a young head coach. But then bring in two veterans who have big egos, big personalities, have recently won championships in Boston. I feel like it just made everything that crazy. And as much as they probably respected Kid, probably some of his coaching philosophies weren't great. Uh, he went straight into coaching. Literally, he retired and he's like, all right, I'm a Brooklyn Nets head coach now. So I, I think that, you know, respecting a voice in, in the locker room, you know, obviously it's probably the key thing for, for Katie and Kyrie. But little tidbit, uh, who would you rather have as the Nets? This is obviously a, a purely dumb hypothetical. Who would you rather have the, as the Nets Brooklyn Nets head coach, Jason Kidd or Kevin Garnett? KG. I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> nah. just not, not Jason Kidd. That's, that's my, like... Bottom three coaching candidate for the Nets right now for me. Just not Jason Kidd, please. No. Yeah, I would definitely have Jason Kidd over KG. I don't even know if KG is like uh, stable in terms of like he would just go <laughs> off on the team if they were they lost the game by two or something. Like I even just listened to some Iron Eagle interviews, him talking about KG and his uh, stint with the team, how like crazy he really was. And I think like Jason Kidd, I know he wasn't great with the Nets and he wasn't great with the Bucks, but I think sitting on the bench in LA and getting some more coaching experience and kind of getting his ego shut down by getting fired and losing jobs kind of put him in his place and I think he'd probably be a better coach moving forward and I think he still has respect to players being you know an all-time point guard and he's won a championship and gold medals yeah uh, I think I'll probably go with kid as well but I want kid with some really high level uh, assistants assistant coach just yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate Kidd as a, a sort of head, you know, senior assistant coach. But uh, in saying that, lads, uh, Nick was popping off with a little bit of trade talk, and we chatted a little bit out of, about it on the, on the rewatches stuff. But Nick proposed, who is the best player the Nets could land with their trade package of? Toy and Prince, Philly's first round pick, and Brooklyn's 2020 first round pick, whatever number that is. And Plenty of numbers, plenty of names, plenty of uh, plenty of news, plenty of responses. Uh, what do you think, Will? Um, I, I see people throwing out names like Aaron Gordon and Julius Randle and Kevin Love. I don't think that package can get that much. I mean, Philly's pick is what, going to be in the 20s? Our pick in two years is what, going to be in the 20s as well, I would assume. I would hope, at least. I, I don't think that Torian Prince has really worked that much on his own um, to get that much. I think that we'd have to throw in... Another piece, maybe not a big piece like Levert or Dinwiddie, but maybe a small piece like Claxton or Rodion's to get a guy like Gordon or Randall or something like that. I would think ideally in this situation, the Nets would probably have to make a three-team trade where those first-round picks are a lot more attractive to a rebuilding team. Even though they're in the 20s, 
think if you're rebuilding, you're just trying to build up that draft capital. I think it would probably be hard to find one of these trades where you're trading Prince and these two picks to a team and it's making sense for their long-term you know, journey. I think Cleveland would take, I think Cleveland would definitely take this offer if there was a cap filler to hit that number, because I don't think Kevin Love has super positive value. And I'm pretty sure they weren't even getting offered a first round pick at last deadline. Aaron Gordon would be great, but based off of talking to some magic people and what they think that it would have to be in a three team trade where Brooklyn's sending those two first round picks to another team so they can get some competent player that can help them win now. Yeah. The name that came to mind, you know, initially when you put it out, Nick was Aaron Gordon. Again, I don't think it's, consummate value in return for the Orlando Magic, you know, third team involved, you know, like uh, Will said, maybe some other young players or whatever. You know, if we're talking about straight direct trade with the team, you know, the guy that Zach Noble, and he obviously came up with a list of names, as did plenty of others, but in terms of, obviously, um, we've, it's been, you know, Nolan and, and, and Matt Brooks have been speaking about this guy quite a bit. Gary Harris is a name that makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, both of the, Torian Prince had a down year, Gary Harris had a down year. But I trust Gary Harris to get back to you know a level of competency that I don't think Toy and Prince can. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a very good NBA player. I think we've seen Gary Harris be a good NBA player, a positive on the defensive end, a decent enough three-point shooter. Not saying that I want that trade directly and not saying that Denver would do it, but just hypothetically speaking, I think Gary Harris uh, isn't necessarily lost to the NBA world. Yeah, I, think- I mean, look, oh, go ahead, Nick. I was just going to mention it. Chandler uh, Harper uh, for OTG has mentioned kind of got me sold a little bit, maybe on the Harrison Barnes idea. You know, I think that'd be a move that they possibly could make because Sacramento is looking to get off some cap. He's not necessarily a crazy player, but we all, I think agree that he's an upgrade over Torian Prince. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of players are an upgrade over Torian Prince at this point, even though I still do like Torian Prince as a bench player next year, if we don't end up trading him, he's making a lot of money for, what he does produce, I, I still do like him. But um, it, it depends on, like you said, it, it would have to be a three-team trade. And it depends on where we'd have to, uh, where we'd look. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge, I see him looking through the comments right now. He's an interesting one. I think it would take more than the package that you threw out there. Um, is uh, Can you remind me, is Paul Millsap a free agent or is he still having free a uh, free agent? Yep. He's a free the agent. only thing with Aldridge, too, is he, I believe he'd be on an expiring deal next year. So it, it could get close, but then you have to worry about getting the cap number up. An idea that kind of popped in my head and just thinking of a possible three-team trade would maybe be something with like Torian Prince and Jared Allen, where Jared Allen is maybe getting sent to Houston and then somewhere someone's getting sent to Orlando and then the Nets are taking back Aaron Gordon or something like that because Houston was a team that had a lot of interest in Jared Allen at the deadline. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, it would suck to see Jared Allen go. He's definitely been one of my favorite players throughout the last couple of seasons. Um, but no, I mean, if, if it makes sense to trade him for Sean Marks, it makes sense to trade him for me. Yeah, I don't know if it was really interesting, Jared Allen, or it was interesting getting rid of Clint Capella. <laughs> that was probably yeah. what it No, what this it was post post Clint Capella. Oh, really? was it? I thought it yeah. I thought it was like the, the Clint Capella trade for like Prince and Allen. That was the the news that I So heard. like there was a, a Clint Capella trade and then after that Houston was desperately looking for a center. I so thought it was had, Jordan. I, they had interest in DeAndre and they had interest in Jared. Oh, well, like Jared Allen is doesn't make sense to trade uh, anyway because you know his number is so small, and what are they going to give in return? Like Daniel House? Uh, no, but no, just... but it's in a multi-team trade, and Torian Prince is involved too. So yeah, now yeah, yeah. getting cap numbers up, and then it makes more sense. And wherever I don't know what Houston's going to send, maybe it's sending Eric Gordon or somewhere to somewhere, and then the Nets are getting Aaron Gordon. I think yeah. as a trade package. 
that probably carries a little bit more weight than maybe the two first-round picks because I think a team would feel pretty confident in what Jared Allen could be. Yeah, so many Gordons, it's hard to keep up. But uh, in that sense, uh, Nick also put out a little bit of free agency buzz on Twitter and putting four names down, four pictures of uh, four very competent big men, Marcus Sol, uh, the trash bag, uh, top knot, Aaron Baines, Paul Millsap, and the man who does art, Serge Ibaka. Uh, who would you like to see the Nets add this offseason? Uh, another name that was brought up was also Thaddeus Young as well. Obviously, I think he would have to be traded for because he signed a two-year deal, I think, yep. in Chicago. Um, so that would probably be a guy you know that I would probably consider as well, but obviously not a free agent. Uh, mm-hmm. What name stick out to you, Mr. Will Jackson? I think my order in these four would be Serge Ibaka, Marcus Paul Millsap, and then Aaron Baines. Um, Serge Ibaka has been someone the Nets Twitter has been asking for ever since the beginning of the season, ever since I did the uh, cooking a snake show with Kevin Durant. Um, I think Serge Ibaka makes a ton of sense for this team. He could definitely play a little bit of a stretch five, stretch four for us. Uh, Marcus All, he's been on a championship team by this point. He He's a veteran who I think I'd feel comfortable putting in this locker room. Um, Paul Millsap is interesting. Um, if he, if Paul Millsap would come on a cheap deal, like a mid-level exception, I wouldn't mind it. He, he I don't feel think I'd feel comfortable with him starting, but I, I would welcome him on a on, on a bench deal. And then Aaron Baines is just, please, God, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm similar to Will in the extent of I'd have Babaka first, Millsap two. I'd have him as a close second, though, because I like the versatility he provides. And I'd probably go Gasol third and Baines fourth but I mean I don't think the difference in these players is substantial the bigger difference is probably positional because like if you're getting Baines or Gasol you most likely have traded Jared Allen or some extent because you have opening you know you have open bench minutes where Millsap and Serge Ibaka could fit on the team if Jared Allen's still here because obviously they play the four they play small ball five so I think uh I'd be more intrigued with Ibaka and Millsap unless Allen were to be moved and even if Allen was moved I think like you probably want to invest that money in the four position instead of the five position because I think ideally the Nets would like to get to some small ball lineups next year. Oh, one now, one quick question: Are you comfortable with Claxton getting minutes next season? Um, I, it's really tough to say until we see him progress. I mean, if he you know makes the proper strides and you know he's not getting big minutes, I think I'd be okay with it because you know you have DeAndre playing your starting minutes, you have Claxton filling up some of those minutes, and then you're probably having ideally you know either Millsap or Ibaka taking some of those minutes as like a small ball five for a bit uh to be honest you know obviously i i, I echo the sentiments of nick i've probably got the same order there i don't care like about nick claxton's minutes next season because the net's goal is to win a championship and i don't really care about development when you're in the championship sort of window that was probably if we we're talking about the nets two years ago it would have been like all right Millsap, and not, i don't care about Millsap. i want the, the the minutes for these young guys and that's probably what we spoke about more this season I would have wanted it more this season when it actually didn't matter to actually, you know, really get wins on the board. It was more about, you know, seeing what we have on this roster. So for me, next season, couldn't really care. Uh, could care less, to be fair. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for Paul Millsap. I think that he would be a tremendous fit. I think he's underrated in a lot of ways. I think the impact that he has has had in Denver has been insane. The reason why they're one of the better defensive teams is because of him. You know, he, again, you know, playing the four and the five, playing out there with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think he's the perfect sort of third, you know, glue guy. The veteran leadership you would get from him. You know, Serge, obviously, the embedded relationship with Kevin Durant, you know, eating snakes together, playing in, uh, in, in OKC too. And I've got to give some love to my boy Aaron Baines. You guys aren't. You know, we get the Aaron Baines fan account associated with the Brooklyn Buzz. <laughs> Listenership goes up. 
you know, we get the fo- the followers certainly go up uh, on Twitter as well for, for all three of us. So I'm not going to lie about that. Also, I think he is a very, very competent NBA player. Not necessarily, I think, in the same realm as these three guys in terms of fit. I think he's close enough to Marcus Gasol. I think Marcus Gasol is only getting worse. I think Aaron Baines has maybe a year or two you know, left at probably producing at the level that he is. He's got a good three-point shot. Uh, he's, a, uh, he's a tough guy, you know, I think. But the question that we've gotten a, a ridiculous amount since with the inception of the Brooklyn Bars is, oh, the Nets need an enforcer. The Nets need a tough guy. Well, the toughest guy on this list in terms of just like, you know, physicality and, you know, in that sort of tangible on-court sort of gruffiness is Aaron Baines. The the, the man looks like a, a guy you don't want to get in a fight with despite the fact that, uh, you know, he's got a ginger beard. You know, shout out to all the ginger beards out there. So, you know, Aaron Baines, the Nets could do worse. I, I certainly wouldn't hate that. I think he would be the best center on the Nets roster if they were to get him. Really? Yeah. Hey, one more thing that I want to go back to about Paul Millsap, just for a second. Um, it's, the only thing that concerns me is his injuries. If you look at his career in Denver, 38 games in 2017 and then 44 games this season, I think that's definitely something as he gets older you're definitely going to have to worry about. Yeah, I would think if he's reduced to a bench role, you feel a little bit more confident about it, but still a concern because they haven't even been like super – like crazy injuries where I think one, he like smacked his hand and ended up getting broken. And then one where he like stepped wrong. And I think he fractured something in either his lower leg or his foot. So it's like, those are a little concerning. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's had some, some knee issues, some ankle issues and, and that sort of thing. But you know, you're playing basketball. I think everyone has yeah. knee and ankle issues yeah, in, in the sport, but anything else you wanted to touch on any final thoughts on those four big man power forward centers? Yeah. Just hope Serge is on the nets this time next year. I think it's highly likely they try to make a move for one of those guys with the taxpayer mid-level exception. The question will be is, are those guys willing to accept? Are they searching for a championship? Or maybe there's a name we haven't mentioned that ends up on the team. Who knows indeed? Maybe it's, yeah, I can't even think of names. Uh, But uh, Joe Sy, who is continuing to do good things in the community, uh, New York and wider. But we're going to focus on his basketball charter. And he was speaking to a virtual seminar at, at Stanford and asked about the NBA returning. And I quote, the reality is everybody's still trying to figure things out with the hope that maybe we can reopen the season, the current season, because think about this, the Lakers or the Bucks, they're in first place when the season got suspended. There's a chance of them going for the championship. Of course they want to play. The players want to play. The ownership wants to play. Then there are other teams. If you're in 28th place, maybe the season isn't that important. So there's a difference in of opinion among the owners as well. Does that difference of opinion surprise either of you guys? I don't think that it's that surprising when you look at teams like the Knicks and the Suns and the Warriors. I mean, we don't know how it's possible that basketball is going to resume yet. We, I think I would assume that players are going to have to get tested regularly and that there's going to have to be a ton of restrictions in the locker room with the coaches. You know, who knows how often players are going to have to wear masks and stuff like that. I don't think that makes sense. Like, if you're a veteran player who just stopped playing after, you know, playing 50-somewhat games, are you really going to want to you know, work yourself back up to get to the point where, you know, you're, you're able to play 20 to 30 minutes a night again if you're, you know, 36, 37 years old. I don't think it makes sense, like, especially when you're playing for nothing. So in that aspect, I really do think that, you know, those bottom-of-the-line teams that aren't, you know, already eliminated from playoff contention or have no shot of making it, it doesn't really make much sense for them to resume. Yeah, I think uh, the owners obviously are looking at it from the money perspective and there's no purpose in kind of spending all this stuff and getting things back going. But the playoff teams obviously are looking at the goal winning a championship. And Will brings up a great point about motivation. Like if you're a player, 
it's going to be somewhat hard to get fully motivated knowing you're playing a five-game regular season or something like that just for your year to be over and you're not going to have an opportunity to make the playoffs for the most part. You know, there's only a few teams that are even within range and the teams in front of them would pretty much have to lose almost all their games for them to get in. So I think from that, you know, aspect, it just makes more sense to only bring the playoff teams back. Yeah, the the risk-reward standpoint, obviously the NBA, Adam Silver, you know, as I did mention as well that, you know, the, the player health and the, the public health is is number one, is the number one concern, obviously, you know, the testing and, and everything that goes with that. But purely focus on that comment, I think that you guys probably hit the nail on the head. You know, the risk-reward standpoint, why does it matter if, you know, the, I don't know, the Phoenix Suns aren't that bad, but like a, a team like the New York Knicks, uh, as, as, as Will alluded to, you know, I think that uh, James Dalton probably wants that money a little bit as well. I get the MSG gates open, to be fair, as well. But teams like that, you know, Washington Wizards, or in fact, Washington Wizards are in there. You know, I can't think of, the, who are the other bad Charlotte teams? Hornets. Charlotte Hornets, Cavs. there we go. Warriors, Cat. but I we have to assume there's going to be no fans. Like I, I feel yeah. I'm like highly unlikely if the NBA does come back. The bubble thing seems like the most likely scenario, and that's likely going to have no fans because I don't think it would be safe for the fans or the players to put them in that situation. Yeah, and it's interesting because I don't think any of us really know the the sort of local deals and TV money involved there. You know, who gets the broadcast games? Is it the same sort of thing? You know, are there tournaments happening? What's going on? Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, is he going to be at the helm of the, the new NCAA-style tournament? None of us know. It changed every day, and we'll probably have to revisit this on the buzz and how it pertains to the Brooklyn Nets as well. But I'm going to put to you guys, there has been, there hasn't been an owner who has rehabbed his image better than Josiah. Josiah, obviously, uh, during the China-Hong Kong sort of debate, you know, obviously he has allegiances uh, to China with his business ventures and, you know, his upbringing there. And, you know, got a lot of, you know, warranted probably criticism. But since then, you know, his, contribu- his contributions in the fight against COVID-19 in America, uh, New York, San Diego, Detroit, uh, the, this is via our Anthony Puccio in a tweet that he put out. So to New York, 2,000 ventilators, 2.6 million masks, and 170,000 goggles. San Diego, $1.6 million in medical supplies, including 500,000 medical-grade masks and goggles. And to Detroit, 350,000 masks and 100,000 medical goggles. I mean, we want the we want true leadership. We want guys with the big, deep pockets opening them up to, to help the, the wider community at large. And uh, Joe Sy has certainly done that. Yeah, I mean it's exactly what you know the city needs and this country needs right now i'm not going to get political but um it's exactly what we need right now i mean he's doing his best he's donating money donating masks i, I think he's doing a great job i don't know what other owners are doing right now i don't know you know what james dolan or steve bomber or all the other owners in the nba are doing right now i'm assuming they're doing something but i just from brooklyn that standpoint this is a great look for him and the organization yeah Pretty much echoing what Will said. Great look for the Nets, the organization, and just for Josiah himself. And like Jack mentioned, you know, you want these people in position that can help to actually help. And I think he's doing more than even what most people expected from him to help, you know, across the United States, not just in New York, not just in Brooklyn, helping in San Diego, helping in Detroit, and just working with different people and trying to literally save lives. I don't think you can ask for more from him. You definitely cannot. But lads, we're ending with Drake News. We, I think, charged <laughs> on it a little bit on the on the rewatch. And does anyone want to wrap it, or am I going to be left to, to wrap it? You the have line? to wrap again. You uh, got to do it, Jack. Waiting for your All right, arms. here we go. Salsa, Fabi, looking like Katie and Kyrie. All right, that was pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. Thank that you, was lads. a lot better than your last performance. Yeah, so. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thank you, lads. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, one, I will put to you 
that the comparison is a little bit elevated for, for my dude Sosie and Fivey. I think that they're more Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson, if, if anyone. <laughs> Kate, uh, what do you think about this line, lads? Uh, Nick, do you want to go first on this one? I mean, I think he's just trying to, like, you know, push up these yuck, young and upcoming rappers, and I'm pretty sure both guys are from Brooklyn, so you see the correlation there. There you and go. There you go. There's some pop, but uh, it's nice to just see the Nets be referenced in terms of rap and hip-hop culture. Just they haven't really had a player that got the respect or the notoriety or the relevance to be mentioned in this, and I feel like, I mean, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, shit, Nets getting a reference on a Drake song. That's, like, pretty big deal <laughs> for, like, that type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I put out a tweet uh, the night that this came out saying that, um, you know, if the Nets get hit with the Drake curse because of this, Drake is a dead man. They, the next time they walk in Brooklyn, but I don't think we have to worry about that because the Raptors just won the ring. But, um, hey, you know what? Good for the Nets. I think we were talking about it a little bit before, uh, before we pressed play on this. But, you know, the last time the Nets really were mentioned in uh, pop culture had to be the Jason Kidd, Vince Carter era. So definitely big for us, but big look for us uh, right now. We've come yeah. a long way. <laughs> I still think that maybe looking like Alan and Musa doesn't have the same link. So I get, I get it. I, I certainly get it. And I mean, you know, when Drake shouts out guys, you know, athletes or whatever, it it makes a mark. You know, Devin Booker. You know, that Lou Williams, a whole bloody song about him, essentially. Steph. So you know, uh, Steph Curry. You know, and he's obviously incredibly good friends with Kevin Rand. I've got that. 35 tattoo i think as well so uh the it's uh it's a nice thing and this is probably one of the three uh, i said to you guys off wax one of the three best songs on the mixtape but uh any other nets news that you guys wanted to chat about we've got plenty more we've got somehow i've collated even more topics to speak about but those are going to be for future episodes anything else you wanted to quickly touch on before we end this one out um oh did you guys see michael grady tweeted about the Nets are in the midst of working on throwback uniforms. Yeah, I did hear that one. Oh, I, thought, I did hear a little reference on that too, yeah. I mean, I, I think Nets throwbacks are something that is probably happens... I'm trying to think what happens more on Twitter. Stupid trade proposals or, you know, Nets throwback uni, you know, photoshops with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You know, it's probably equal, but, you know, what I want more and what I think is more realistic is the fact that Michael Grady, again, you know, with the Yes Network, you know, there's certainly insight there. I'd certainly be uh, hooking one up. What I'm a fan of is, this is, might be a little bit sacrilege to say, I'm a t-shirt jersey guy. I don't really, I don't, I only wear, you know, a, an NBA jersey if I'm lounging around the house, if it's nice and big. Whereas I would wear, you know, the T-shirt jersey. I've still got the D'Angelo Russell, Jeremy Lin, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Lopez, you know, T-shirt jerseys. I wear them to work out and run in because I think, I don't know, it comes off a bit wankerish uh, if you're wearing the, the <laughs> NBA jerseys during some pickup games. Just my thoughts, Nick. Yeah, and I mean, just so people know what Jack's talking about, he's talking about the name and number tees, not the actual jerseys with sleeves. That's right. Um, I, I would love it. I mean, I have some Nets throwbacks from the New Jersey days. I have a J. Kidd jersey, Vince Carter. I even have Devin Harris. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I think the Nets have some really cool designs. And I think, you know, people have brought it up, show some love for the New Jersey Nets. And, you know, they've done that with some of the Yes Network rewatches and just some of the events that have taken uh, place at Barclays this year. So I'm all for it. I think it's pretty cool. And I think anytime you can kind of expand your, your jersey selection, definitely all for it. And I agree with Jack in the aspect of, like, not really a big fan of wearing jerseys unless I'm at the game. Definitely. All right, lads. Uh, that wraps this one up. We'll have probably more news 
more player reviews, more coaching stuff, more trade stuff uh, on upcoming Brooklyn Buzzers. Don't you worry about that. And we have a rewatch on Friday at 7 p.m. You can check out my Twitter feed or Jack's Twitter feed. It'll all be there. And as always, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And also shout out to Will for hopping on again. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.